Welcome everybody, I'm Jared, he's DJ, and this is Number One Bullshit. What was the uh, Thanksgiving? Did you do Thanksgiving with your mom? No, nah, we went to dad's house. Uh, mom nice. was around people that might have had COVID, so we had to kind of mm. like push it away. But uh, it was straight. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was all right. What was, the, what was the, uh, the best thing you ate? We didn't really have a lot of food, um, so probably the spiral honey ham. No, there was no cranberry sauce. I didn't think about mm. it until after, and I was like, Man, I didn't get any of the best thing, which is cranberry you, sauce. You you didn't find the spare change in your couch cushions and and go to Food Lion and, nah, and just, go go get you honestly, sixty seven cent can of cranberry sauce. I, honestly, my mom usually brings it, and she didn't come, so it was like, oh man. And it's just like we we got there super early, just trying to help out. You know, everything was made that day, so it was a lot of stuff, and I wasn't thinking about what was there uh, because actually. Uh, my sister three times was like, hey, pull out your bruschetta. I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. But every time I was going to go get it from the fridge, like my dad needed my help or something. So we even forgot mm-hmm. to do that. It was just kind of rushed. Yeah. What, what about y'all? How was your all experience? I was, it was pretty good. My brother for like desserts, my mom made an apple pie. That was awesome. Nice. My brother makes this uh, cinnamon raisin bread pudding. Ooh. Uh, oh, it was so good. It's Because like, I'm not a big sweets person, but I like cinnamon. Yeah. So like apple pie, awesome. Cinnamon raisin bread pudding, awesome. Yeah, and the uh, my mom also makes this corn casserole, and it's almost like it's not like white people corn casserole. Oh, it's, it's definitely, you know? Listen, listen, you said casserole. It's definitely white yeah, people. yeah, but it's it's actually almost like and and we're crushing the bread puddings here. It's almost like cornbread pudding. Mm. So it's like sweet. It's got like egg in it and stuff. It's freaking good. It's not just like cream of corn soup with, <laughs> you know, French fried onions. Uh, yeah, it's not that. And then uh, the mac and cheese was so good. Ooh. Apparently, Patty LaBelle can cook on top of singing because it's her recipe. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, go look up Patty LaBelle's mac and cheese and then make it with some like ridiculous super spirally noodles that'll hold oh like, yeah maximum like amount of cheese and stuff oh mm, yeah, yeah it's so good yeah so that was yeah she's got a restaurant she can she, i think she got desserts and restaurants stuff like no Atlanta. yeah she's like legit people say that she can cook yeah my yeah. sister made mac and cheese is really good too mm. do y'all do any german potato salad nah nah um we don't really ever do that for thanksgiving i yeah, really want Christmas. it though i Crim- love well no it's just no one makes it anymore, and it makes me so sad because I, I can't make it as good. My sister makes the best. Like, my grandma was awesome, my dad, but my sister makes it the best, and she just doesn't really eat. She can't eat Maggie because, uh, you know, everything has soy in it now. Yeah. Um, so she just, her diet. So she just doesn't ever make it. It makes me so sad. Mm, that is sad. Yeah. That is very, very sad. Uh, what also is uh, is pretty sad is there's two fights changed on this card uh, at the 11th hour. One that I'm pretty disappointed in is the Mertzikhanov Khalil Roundtree, just because that that was going to be violent. Like both of those guys are just super violent. I was getting more excited about it as I was doing the research this week. And also, hey guys, if we're going to cancel or anything like that, can we do it more than a week in advance so I don't watch an hour's worth of fights that but, I didn't? You know, t- but, but it's fun. Yeah, you're ready. But it's ne- time away from ready, my family. Yeah, you're ready for next week, and it's actually <laughs> my literal first note. Sucks we don't get Roundtree here. It's the. I mean, we get <laughs> yeah. to see him, but it, that's yeah. that's that was that was going to be 
That was going to be a fun one. Roundtree is one of the guys that like I'm excited to see run through the division if he can. And it's like, yeah. oh, man, that sucks. And at least we, we will get him co-main next week, next week yeah. on the Gutierrez Yadong card. Uh, co-main taking on Anthony Smith, which is I'm glad that it's at least one more week out. Yeah, because if Khalil Roundtree was going from fighting five ten to six foot four in you know span of a few days, like that sucks. But the uh, yeah, so that one's getting pushed. But we'll at least we'll see Khalil Roundtree fight. Yeah, which is nice. And then you know totally different test. But then the other one, Dan Hooker, Bobby Green. So Dan Hooker live on a podcast just holds up his arm and it. He had rebroke it where he had broken it in the Jalen Turner fight. And so he's out. But then Jalen Turner's like, cool. Our fight was really, really close. So I'll just step in yeah. and take on Bobby Green, which is awesome. Tougher test, I think, for different tests, but tougher test, I think, for Bobby Green just because of the unique physical gifts that Jalen Turner has. And, and instead of a five-rounder, it's a three-rounder. So... That's nice because we talked about it before. It made no sense to have that one as a five rounder, other than the fact that Dan Hooker's exciting and fun to watch yeah. that for twenty five minutes. Yeah, but it really had no. It really had no reason to be five round. I don't. I, I didn't need to see a five round fight for for that one. Uh, but this, I mean, since we're on it, let's talk about. It. I mean, it's a big moment for Turner as well, just because even though it was a super close fight, and maybe it can go either way. Felt like Dan Hooker won it. You know, that's my opinion. But it's still a big moment for him. He's lost his last two in split decisions, so that's not fun, right? But Bobby Green's no slouch, and Bobby Green's trying to make his run, and he's like, if I got to make my run, I got to keep my win streak going. It doesn't matter who it's against. But Turner is different. He's going to tower over Green. He's, what, nine years younger? I mean, it's a different fight. But Bobby Green's fun, man, and, you know, he he's he's got that – I don't give a fuck who it is mentality. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's going to be very, very interesting from the standpoint of the, the distance management. Right. Oh yeah. So Turner in the past has that, even though he's like six, four or something fighting at lightweight, he's enormous, but he hasn't always managed his distance very well. He hasn't used the jab very well. And so I am really interested to see how he can do that especially because and both guys switch stances a little bit but they're both southpaws yep. primarily and so then now turner actually can use the jab because a lot of times when he's fighting against an orthodox fighter you can't can't use the jab right you're using your backhand to set distance so want to know how that plays out we saw last time in the hooker fight though for jalen turner he faded late mm -hmm. it's the first time he's really had trouble on the scale he missed by like three pounds and he faded late in the fight. Yep. And so now he's taking a fight on a week and a half's notice. Is that going to be a problem? I haven't seen that they announced it as a catch weight. Yep. So, which I'm sure if you're Bobby Green, like, no, fuck that. I'm I'm in camp. You, you already we're, you we're already know you already know my opinion. No. Yeah. You already know yeah, my opinion. On it. I'm, I'm well, it's just because why am I going to give you a competitive advantage? I'm just not going to, right? Like, you don't have to take the fight. That hurts me, but no, I'm not going to give you that catch weight. So we'll see. Yeah, so I, I want to see does, you know, can Turner maintain pace because we know Bobby Green can. I want to know one of the things I kind of realized about Bobby Green because we think about him standing in the pocket and rolling with punches and doing all that. But he's actually really, it's it's interesting early on in a fight, he doesn't always 
get right into the pocket. He kind of lunges in and out mm-hmm. and like pops the jab and comes back until he figures out what that other guy's range is. And so I want to know, can Turner with, with the jab, with the lead hook, keep him at bay when he's trying to jump in? Because that was one of the things he did pretty good against Hooker early on was whenever Hooker tried to close distance, he was he was getting yeah. And so I want to know, will he be able to do that against somebody like Bobby Green? Is he going to try to go to the body, kick the calves? Because obviously so much of Bobby Green is the shoulder roll, that kind of Philly shell style. And so I'm interested to know how does he how does he break that distance and get in there? How does Turner keep him at his range as opposed to Bobby Green boxing range, which is not not good for people who stand in, in range with him? Well, well, here's the interesting. First of all, I didn't know this, and you just um, kind of made a mention. It's saying that Bobby Green is orthodox. He's not Southpaw, which is interesting to me I, I i need to do a little bit more looking into that but with jalen turner being so much bigger he's only got a one and a half inch reach over. so it's like this isn't this is i think one of the things that he was so successful with dan hooker is because he was just longer right bobby green's not going to feel as long it's going to be real fun because bobby green i don't know man he just he just he has that something in him but when does age become a factor Turner has something to prove now, right? Turner has something to prove. Bobby Green's on his winning streak, so his proving is like, I want to continue this. Turner's like, I got to get a dub. I got to get mm-hmm. a dub. And maybe taking it on a week notice or a week and a half, two weeks, whatever notice, doesn't hurt him in the long run. But when you're seeing the last three fights being losses, at some point I got to get a win. And Gamrot, Hooker, Green, those aren't the worst losses to have, yeah. but they're three in a row. But they're yeah. three in a row. Yeah, and the, I think this fight, this style of fight obviously favors Turner a lot more than a Gamrot style yeah. fight because Gamrot's a, he just kills people with the grappling. He's a right? dog. And we're going <laughs> to we're gonna touch on Gamrot a little bit. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about him when we talk about Sarukian. But the, the other thing is, you know, you hear it a lot with fighters where they lose a fight and it's a close fight. And if they're not really injured, like, I just want to get back in there because... I know that wasn't my best performance, especially him coming off and not making weight. I wonder if that's part of it too, of him just being like, hey, listen, I that was not the best Jalen Turner. I didn't feel I wasn't what I was supposed to be. I want to hop back in there. Plus, and I know, you know, Bobby Green finished Tony Ferguson, yada yada, and just put out Grant Dawson, but also it's not power punching, right? Like that's Jalen Turner ate some of Dan Hooker's best shots and Dan Hooker kind of puts people out. Yeah. And, and so I think that's a good thing for Turner as well. Coming into this fight is he can, he can eat some of the shots, but I just, if green, I want to see if Bobby green pressures him because that's where it became a problem for him in the Dan Hooker fight. When Jalen Turner was moving forward or when they were just kind of standing at range, Turner was getting the better of the exchanges. It was after Dan Hooker ate that insane head kick and somehow stayed standing on his feet, but he started pressuring. And that's when Turner, would, you saw that kind of look in his eye of like, oh shit, this guy isn't going anywhere. And he's kind of started to get beat up a bit. But then once he started to advance again, he was taking the fight back over, and which is why third round was kind of so so much fun in, in that fight is there, there was a lot of that back and forth. But, you know, does Bobby Green pressure him? 
because I think that's the path to victory against somebody who's who's long like Turner. Because good luck if you're just going to stand there and then try to get into range without using your pressure as a weapon. Yeah, and and for Bobby Green, if he you know gets him off balance or gets a, gets a takedown, you have to imagine he's winning that battle. So it's like you know Bobby Green can do what he does. You know that cocky, which mm-hmm. is. Uh, an all positive comment, like that cocky stand-up style that he has. And then if it does get taken down, he should be able to at least dictate how the fight goes down there. But someone that needs a win is dangerous too. Someone that needs Mm -hmm. a win is just as dangerous. And if Bobby Green wins against Jalen Turner again, then like, like, like we talked about, I think last week, a couple weeks ago, whatever, go ahead and let him have his run. (laughs) Go ahead and let him try. Right. Why not? Why not? He took a, he took a, a fight against somebody that he's not training for. He was going to fight Hooker. Let him let him let his age uh, come into factor and just be like, let's see what you can do. So great! It's it's actually a really cool matchup to have. I would rather see Bobby Green versus Dan Hooker. But if this is the secondary fight, Mark, you know we have someone that needs a win, someone that's looking for his run. I'm happy with it. Yeah, and we previously talked about that matchup, Bobby Green. And Hooker coming off of what Bobby Green did to Grant Dawson. Yeah. And that was when we talked about, we're like, oh, yeah, they'll give him kind of an older guy. And now he's not getting that. You know, he was all prepped for that, and now he's not. And so now it's another one of these, hey, you just put away one of our our young killers, and I get Jalen Turner doesn't have the best record, but he was on a nice little streak before the Gamrot fight. But now it's like, okay, you got to fight another young, hungry one instead of, you know, this kind of established, we know what he is. Type fighter and honestly it feels like it just feels because dan hooker just has that violence in him where like he can take violence as well it's not just mm-hmm. like the justin gaethje where he can just like well gaethje can take some violence as well but yeah. gaethje can really like put on the violence old tourney ferguson put on the violence but daniel dan daniel dan hooker can take violence as well as give it but he's a little bit older this is it's a fun matchup because here's the thing if you just look at this card this is what i love about mma if you look at this card, this card doesn't stand out. Like if this was a pay per view, I don't know if I'd be happy just looking at the matchups to be like because the under the undercard's not as great as the, the main card's really really good. But yeah. this is one of these cards that I feel like we're gonna talk about next week and be like, what a great card! And then this fight wasn't supposed to happen, but I think this is gonna be a, a really highlight fight. I think it's gonna be a fun, exciting fight. Yeah, and some of the people that I think we might be talking about. Come Monday next week, Zach Reese. Oh he has God. kind of some of those tools that Turner has. He's got a six foot seven inch reach, tall, lanky guy. He's six and zero oh, all finishes. Right, so this this dude's putting people away, and quickly, very very quickly. His longest fight is four minutes and thirteen seconds. Yeah, so doesn't get paid by the hour. He's sprint to the finish. Trevor Peak, my my type of guy, <laughs> you know, and he's proven he can take a little some shots too yep. because his fight on the contender series against Ellie Aronov. I mean, you want to talk about two very different looking people. Aronov's built like a tiny little tank. And then, <laughs> then you have, I shouldn't say tiny. He's 185 pounds, probably 200, but he steps in the gauge, yeah. but you know, that tank build. And then you have Zachary, who's tall, lanky, showed good submissions though. It looked like Aronov, who was supposed to be the better grappler was out of that arm bar. And he kind of used his hips to suck him back in. Yeah. Yeah, and but it's hard with with a guy like this who's six and zero, but hasn't fought more than four four minutes thirteen seconds. Right, the level of competition hasn't been great. We're gonna find out because Cody Brundage, you know, eight and five, whatever it is, but he is a he's been there before. He has fought 
prospects before. He's been in there with some really good fighters. And so this is definitely Zach Reese's toughest test of date. Yeah, so watching Zach Reese didn't don't don't really know much about him, right? It's not like this is a guy's career I followed, but just watching this is what's great about the internet. You just like, all right, let me find some videos on this guy. Slick ass submissions. He can flows, but he's got good control, man. He hits hard. Don't get me wrong. He hits and and what was fun watching him because you can watch some of these early fights that he had that, you know, coming up on the scene and you see how his progression has gone to the moment that he's now in the UFC where it's like, it seems like he has a little bit more control. You could see his skill set improve, but how does he look in the UFC? And Cody Brundage is actually like, you're just saying it's the perfect guy to be like, how do you actually look now? You look great. You do look great. We have you here for a reason. Cody Brundage is now going to be the, are you, are you ready? Is it time? But I know we're trying to highlight Zach Reese here, but Brundage is gone if he loses, right? Like this is it for him. Ha- has to be because I mean he beat Jacob Malcoon, but that's just because he got the back of his head caved exactly. in with an elbow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, like ultimately that it would have been four straight losses. But you look at who he's lost to. Only on Jacek, not a punk. Nope. <laughs> not a punk. Adolfo Vieira getting choked out by Adolfo Vieira. It happens to, <laughs> to a lot of people. No. The Cedricus <laughs> Dumas fight was one that was a little. Like, okay, Cody Brundage, what's happening here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's hard to tell with Dumas, too, because he is a guy who, also young in his career, had some very quick finishes, submissions, knockouts, all kinds of stuff, but then looked pretty bad getting out grappled. Yeah. But then goes and rebounds from that and kind of out grappled Brundage during that fight. I think Brundage might have taken that one on short notice, but it's just a... I, I don't with a guy like Dumas, we don't know if he's just that good once he's because he's so talented everywhere else. Now he's focusing on his wrestling. Yeah. That's one where you would think Brundage should win. Yeah. And that was a, a short notice fight for Brundage. But yeah, this this make a break for him. Yeah, you you don't win this one. You are, I mean, ultimately you've lost four or five with your only win being via DQ. Um, and you're losing to guys who are coming off of the contender series. Yeah. So, you know, and obviously we have champions off the contender series, sure. but you're talking about a guy's first fight in the UFC. And I don't think anybody saw Zach Reese on the, no, no disrespect to Zach Reese, but I don't think anybody saw Zach Reese on the contender series and was like, okay, we can throw this guy in there with, it, like a Renat Fakhradinov, like, hey, he's he can go in there and start competing Whoa, pretty chill, much right man. away. Yeah. Why are you going to jump to him for me? This guy fights, so. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of kind of popped into my head there. It was either him or, uh, I was going to say Bo Nickel, but Bo Nickel doesn't have a, a ton of fights, uh, and I couldn't remember all the Brazilian guys that have come in. And I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to just fight people. Uh, maybe, was it Felipe Dos Santos? Was that the guy who uh, was supposed to be on Contender Series and then gave Mano oh, Cop yeah, all he yeah, could handle? Like, oh, oh, man. So, and, and you know what? Kind of changing subjects a little bit. What I like about the Contender Series and then having these fight nights is that it's nice to see these people that have talent not have to have their first experience in front of like the live, like the big, especially the Apex, but like the big UFC pay-per-view crowds because then you can let them settle in. Like it's going to, I'm I'm really the, going through this week and kind of seeing that you wanted to highlight Zach Reese and me being like, okay, let me see, let me see what this guy's about. It's like, I want to see him in a moment where the pressure is not as big because it's just 
it's just fun to have that environment instead of going on like a Connor card, right? Just imagine the <laughs> difference between being on that card where everybody's hype. So, but yeah, Zach Reese, I'm 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 sold in on the fact that he is ready for the UFC. Let's see what happens when he actually fights in the UFC. Yeah, he fights a and Brother's record isn't great, but fights a UFC fighter. But the, right? the guy, but he's guy been there. Better. It's it's like you can have the worst NFL player, but he's still an NFL player, right? He's still on the in the NFL. He's still going to. You're going to come out of college and you're going to see something different than you haven't seen because he's an NFL caliber caliber player. This Cody Brundage is a UFC fighter, but big consequences for him to lose right now. <laughs> because, no, and I mean, yeah. and him winning isn't like oh he's going to be a title contender. It's just like you need to do something because yeah, his last five not looking great and one of those was a disqualification so yeah yeah and then we have steve garcia who he's taking on melt costa and we highlighted melt costa before because he's a very exciting intriguing prospect uh, but this time i i want to talk more about garcia because garcia a little older 31 years old but he i think he had three fights his last three fights totaled like eight minutes mm -hmm. um yeah, just an absolute monster. He had <laughs> got knocked out in a minute 14, knocked out Chase Hooper, and then knocked out Nerdenbeck. I was hoping you know how to say because I, I was like, man. I think I, I got it here. Uh, Nerdenbecca. My bad. Nerdenbecca. Um, yeah. Shylin. But he's uh, a, a knockout arse, right? Here, here's a guy. He's got 14 wins, 11 knockout. He ain't subbing people. No. And you saw it. He has what he did to Chase Hooper. Uh, he hurt Hooper very badly, repeatedly. Ultimately, it was the last straw for Hooper at featherweight. That's yep. when we saw him take some time and bulk up to, to lightweight because uh, it looked like a man versus a boy at, at that point. And he then did the same thing to nerd on Becca where he hurt him badly. Oh yeah. We learned, we'll get better. at. <laughs> yeah, uh, I already but, forgot how to say it. I was like, I, hope he says it first. I mean, hurt him badly. The, the body shot at the end. I was about was, to say, if you don't say this fucking body shot, oh, man, yeah. it was beautiful, yes. but he showed he's got the chin because you look at nerd and Becca, the guy's powerful. He puts people out and Garcia got tagged early, <laughs> early, early in that fight ate some really bad ground and pound and and still recovered and ultimately ended up getting the knockout himself. He's a name we haven't heard much about, but he has some pretty high-level competitions. He fought Ronnie Lawrence. He fought Chepe Mariscal, and we've seen what Chepe has done now that he's in the UFC. And actually, way back in the day when he was fighting a, uh, in Bellator at Bantamweight, fought Joe Warren, former Bellator champion. So has some pretty high-level experience there. And I... I just want to see because Mel Costa has looked phenomenal. He showed really, really good kicks in his last fight, which was his first full camp in the UFC. He's never been knocked out. And that's kind of Garcia's path to victory here. Once again, another guy who is very big on the principle that they don't get paid by, by the hour. So, you know, is he going to be able to get Costa out of there? And if he can't, Costa's shown he can go 15 minutes. Oh, absolutely. So I, and yeah. and with, with Steve Garcia, I think to your point of like, we just haven't heard much about him because he doesn't fight as frequently, like once mm -hmm. or twice a year. Uh, and this is going to be his second fight for the year again. But yeah, man, watching him, it's like he's got that weirdness of like accuracy, power, strength type of thing where you're just mm -hmm. like, it's fun to see him, like him versus, nah, Yelin Shea. Can't say it. I forgot it already. 
him versus Nerd and Becca. Nerd and Becca. It was just fun to watch, like his style. He's got a cool style. Mm, this is gonna be a good fight. I don't know. I don't really know what to expect from Costa. So I, I don't really have too much of an opinion on like the matchup itself. But yeah, um, Steve Garcia is someone that has been fun to kind of like do a little bit of research on and be like, oh, this guy's no fucking joke. And, yeah. and, and I think, doesn't he fight out of Jackson Wink? Yeah, he's Jackson yeah, Wink. Guy. So it's like, yeah. you already know that there's some level of fight IQ that they have in that camp. Not saying Steve Garcia has it, but if you have it around you, maybe you don't need it yourself as much. But I'm sure he has it, right? Yeah. yeah. And I want to know how, how I, I think, and this is just my two cents, is I think the, the story of the fight is going to be the range because Garcia is very, you know, he likes that boxing range. Yep. That's that's where he lives in Costa has has great kicks. So is Garcia going to be able to to get within that kick range? Once again, it's an apex car, so we have a small cage, yep. and and so that does not favor the kicker usually because because you just don't have as much room. Even though it's only a few feet difference, I think it's uh, between forty and it's like forty five or forty four percent smaller cage than what they have on on the road. So very, I mean, that's a lot of, that's, that's a very, very big difference. Yeah. But say that's, that's so huge when you think about, because like you can see it. If, if you just tune into a, like, let's say you're just watching a random fight, you can be like, oh, this is an apex style um, or size cage. So, but they're also smaller guys, right? It's different. <laughs> it's different when you're in heavyweight, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's just when you're actually taking up half of the cage yourself. But yeah, this was a fun, I mean, he's he. I expect a, I, I expect a Ken flow coming from this fight. I mean, how, yeah. how? What else can you expect? You can't be like just going fifteen minutes. I don't expect that at all. No, I think I think it's going to be violence. And and on the other side of it, I'm I'm interested to see Costa too because yeah. he is somebody that that we've been interested in, in the past and and want to see how he develops. I also want to see how Veronica Hardy develops because she was somebody who was out for what three years. Uh, was Veronica Macedo at the time has since married Dan Hardy and is now Veronica Hardy, but she came back. Her first fight back was against Juliana Miller. And I understand Juliana Miller coming off the ultimate fighter. And we now know what the ultimate fighter is. It is, it can build people, but the people that are just about UFC ready really are coming through the contender series now. And so the ultimate fighter, those are the people that are interesting, but it's more about storylines and you see people going in there like a Juliana Miller, who I think was like two and O or three and O when she entered into the house. Yeah. But what Veronica Hardy showed against her coming back from, from her three year hiatus is what made me excited about her next fight. Because I thought that for somebody who was primarily kind of a Taekwondo type fighter, you know, we last saw her against like 6-1 Bia Malecki, which is not the norm. Yeah, it looked different. Yeah, yeah. Not the norm for for women fighters, and especially Hardy, who should not be fighting at Bantamweight. Flyweight is the correct weight class for her. So to then see her kind of come in with more of a kickboxing style where she's throwing hands a lot more, I I was impressed with her performance in in that fight. Uh, she she hurt Miller. One of the things that she I thought she did very well, and you don't always see it with less experienced fighters, and th- was when the pressure was coming because Juliana Miller, her striking leaves a little something to be desired. She's chaotic. She just kind of you know runs in and throws hands. And I think Hardy did a great job of like 
moving off the line, backing up, you know, whatever she was doing to get out of range, but then boom, set the feet, fire back and stop Miller in her tracks. And that's something you don't always see. And now, and I also want to know if the striking that she showed before with the kicks, because she didn't really kick against Miller very much. She landed a couple, but that wasn't her primary weapon kind of as it had been in the past. So I, I want to know if that just had to do with Miller's path to victory was submissions. We saw it. Hardy put herself in a couple bad positions where she then had to fight out of submissions and then just kind of stayed there as opposed, you know, as opposed to getting out, making her stand back up. But I want to know now, is she going to be a little more kick heavy against Jamie Lindhorst? Yeah. And is that going to be something we see again? And honestly, like we kind of talked about a little bit off, off podcast, Hardy, just not someone that's been on my radar. So, kind of watching her fights, you know, Julia Allen Miller, yeah, she, I, I, she clearly won. It wasn't Hardy beat mm-hmm. Miller, but then Miller goes on and gets TKO. Uh, I, I'm not really sold on that yeah. fact. Watching her fights, I was, you know, kind of interested to see where your where your where you where the interest come from you because I kind of had this almost dismissive like, um, yeah, I just I don't see it. You know, I don't see her, and I don't need every fighter to be some. Uh, prospect for a champion. I don't need to see that. Mm-hmm. But watching her fights, I was like, okay, this is a karate fighter that looks like you know karate fighter with very little ground game. But the one, the one wrinkle you threw in was like, after three years, this is what she came back to. It's like, okay, Juliana Miller is not the top of the division, but she's a test that you need to pass after three years. So I see, I see where you're coming from now because honestly, I I, I didn't realize how long she was out for. And that makes a difference because one of the things that I, I was like, God, I just don't think she has a gas tank. And then three years go by and then you're fighting different, which if she doesn't have a gas tank, still she knows how to better utilize her her energy output. And it's like, okay, that is impressive, right? That That is impressive. And there's no there's no problem with having someone that might shake up this division. So, yeah, I get I get I get it now. I get it now. Yeah. 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 And. I'm not going to lie. I watch her and Dan Hardy's breakdowns, like their their YouTube oh, yeah. stuff of breaking down fights. And so, you know, you kind of get that extra insight. Like you hear, excuse me, you hear her talking about fights and talking about how other people match up. And so it just gives you a little insight into her fight IQ and into how she views different matchups. And so that that's part of it too. It's like, okay, like, are we going to continue to see a, a good fight IQ from her? Are we going to continue to see the progression? Cause she did a very good job of listening to her corner. And I thought she looked like a different fighter. So I, I always hope when we see something like that, that we're going to continue to see that. One of the reasons I was so excited about Mackenzie Dern's last fight, because it looked like she had started to turn that corner. Hopefully we don't see something like that from Hardy because that's, you know, it's disappointing when something like that happens. I hope we, we continue to see that climb and she's, she has taken on somebody who's undefeated, who's only been the distance once. And so that that's something too. like Jamie Lynn Horth is coming in there with a lot of confidence, a lot of confidence. Yeah. Well, not to shit on Mackenzie Dern, but the, the, before and after of her like having a great fight to the next one. I don't know if Veronica Hardy's skill set will jump will look like it jumped down that bad. But it, it is fun when cuz you've talked to me for however long now about how much you love Dan Hardy's breakdowns and and mm-hmm. and all you need to do is match up with that fight IQ with the ability. And if Ju- uh, I'm sorry if Veronica Hardy has the ability along with that, well then yeah, of course like that's super exciting. Like I said, I I you sold me on it. 
I, I, I didn't, I, this wasn't someone that I picked out for matchups that I was like excited to see, but the, it's that extra little wrinkle, right? It's, it's like if someone had a good story, oh, this person, you know, whatever, it's, it's, it's the extra wrinkle. The extra wrinkle for me is fight IQ. I love seeing like, like how we saw, what was it last week with uh, the woman fight where she, um, she just switched stances the second round. She, she was getting beat up. Oh, uh, Amanda Hebus. Yeah. Where it's just like that fight IQ is the difference between maybe her winning and losing we have to assume that Veronica Hardy has that fight. I mean, you've heard it. You've, you've already said it. So, yeah. Yeah, you sold me, man. You sold me. Now, two fights I'm not going to have to sell you on, so I want to know which one you want to talk about first. We got Sean Brady, Kelvin Gaslam, or Rob Font, Davidson, Figueredo. I want to talk about Rob Font, Davidson, Figueredo for one reason. For one, well, not just one reason. But, like, <laughs> Font, one and three in his last four, right? He needs he needs a win. You can't and he, but he's fought killers. He lost to Sanhagen, Cheeto, Aldo. That, that it's not like he's losing to no names. He's he's fighting the best of the best and losing. Okay, I'm not gonna. You don't get points away. But I think personally, if he doesn't want to be like a top five gatekeeper, maybe even a top ten gatekeeper, uh, he has to beat a previous champ that was in a smaller weight division. But here's the thing. Here's the interesting thing. Figueredo's last four fights were against the same guy. We don't know what growth he has, if any. We don't know. He's going up a weight class where he it might feel smaller. But how it, first? So we have to ask how is he going to look? But figure Font is three inches taller, three inches in height. He's going to probably. I don't know. Figueredo seems like he's. Uh, we've heard that he has like weight issues, so maybe he can hold that strength. But his last four fights were against one guy. Has he grown? The the last time he fought somebody not named Brandon Moreno, um, we were still in the first. There were still COVID protocols. Uh, his last fight against uh, a guy not named Brandon Moreno was over three years ago. It was Alex Perez in November of twenty twenty. Yeah. So so here's the thing, and I would love to get your. I mean, as non fighters. Because I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to have fought the same person four times in a row. But if I'm fighting for the same person, I know what that person brings. And eventually, after the on, on the first fight, you're training for the second fight. But by the third fight, it's not like you're doing too much different in camp because you know what they're bringing. You might be doing something different to try to wrinkle it up. But it's not like Brandon Moreno is going to come out a whole different fighter. I don't know what he's going to look like. And then... What do you, so I would like to know your opinion on that aspect of like how how much his skill set has grown fighting the same person four times. But also, do you think he still has power or strength going from flyweight to bantamweight? I think he'll carry the power. Okay, he just strikes me as that kind of of guy. Where he, I mean, he's he's big. He was always big for one twenty five, right? He had multiple weight yep. issues. So I I don't I think the power translates. I just, the size, like the pure size, I don't know how that translates. Because even though he had some weight issues, when you look at it, he's five foot five. Okay. Rob <laughs> That's Font. That's me, dude. That's me. Yeah, yeah. And Rob Font is five foot eight. Hold on. I'm five foot is... five and a quarter for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, at my, look at my fight stats, man. I'm five foot yeah. five and a quarter. <laughs> Five foot two reach. Um, so <laughs> T Rex, uh, rude, <laughs> but like 
the to me the indicator or the bigger story for that is is he going to look is he going to be small in the cage because rob font as long as he is isn't he's not the biggest guy yep. at bantamweight either right like you're i mean marab's going to be bigger from a thickness standpoint uh lengthwise you know i think aljo aljo's going to be out featherweight Al- now but, but Al- if Al- he's Al- there yeah aljo looks like he commands the cage more like he looks like he takes up more of the cage i agree with you on that yes yeah, sanhagen o'malley like there's there is going to be some major major size discrepancies uh if he looks smaller but but we just we don't know yeah the other thing to take into account is against people not named brandon moreno davidson davidson figueredo is 20 and one yeah like he's a fucking killer Ab- absolute killer and prior to the quadrilogy with brandon so moreno the talk was Cejudo's scared to come back yep. to fight this guy. Yep. And let's not forget, Cejudo was a 135 champ, right? Just gave Aljo a, a good fight. I don't, I don't think one. I thought it was clearly a victory for Aljo, but gave Aljo a, a fight to the point where there was, there was rounds where it's like, yeah, that, I'm going Cejudo that round. Yeah, yeah. So... It's not just like a former champ trying to put on weight to get up there. Now, one of the things that does worry me a little bit, he's 35, Font's 36. Like, we are looking at some older guys, relatively speaking, you know, old as shit for the fight game, you know, not for the earth. Um, (laughs) But the, so at these lower weight classes, like those are older guys and you alluded to it earlier, like Font's got to, he's got to do something. Yeah. He's even though he's lost to the best of the best, you know, number one contender, guy fighting for the title, all time great. Mm-hmm. He he's lost to the best of the best, and in between that, had has put on some really good performances. Right? He told Adrian Yanez, "Like, hold on, young man, th- this is not your time." Yeah, and and oh, that yeah. was a yeah. that was a very impressive win. Very impressive win, I thought. Yeah, you can't take for granted the win over Ricky Simone. Yeah. You also look at what Sergio Pettis is doing outside of the UFC and Bellator. Like th- those are all really good wins. But 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 to that point, the problem with Rob Fawn is is he lost to the people that you're like he's not top five, right? So mm-hmm. now if someone comes, if a former champ come and because let's be real, Figueroa didn't look great in his last fight with Moreno. It's not like he looked like there were there was there was a point where it looked like he just mentally gave up. Like, he didn't get broken, but he just looked like, you know, here, here it is. But if you lose to that guy, it's like, okay, yeah, it's Figueredo. You're like, don't, don't, don't not put respect on his name. But then Rob Font, it's like, you're never going to be top five. You're never going to be a title challenger. And now, not only do we know that, but we're not even going to talk to you about that way. If you come in here and you say, you know, reestablish yourself – but he's got to do something. This fight is real fun because if Figueredo wants to make a splash in the division, Rob Font's the guy to do it, right? He's the fucking mm-hmm. perfect guy to do it. But if Rob Font wants to stay and try to make his own splash and you can't beat this guy, what do you do? What do you yeah. do? You know, it's it's going to be – then you lost two in a row. You're two and f- – or one and four in your last five. That's not a great look for Font. Yeah. But there's some really – there's a lot of questions with Figueredo, though, not just around the weight, not just around, you know, being in a new weight class. He was supposed to fight Monel Cop after saying he was going to Bantamweight. Yeah, yeah. Then got scheduled to fight Monel Cop in July. Did not get medically cleared from his eye. That mm. 
his eye got messed up in January. The cop fight was supposed to be in July and he still wasn't cleared. Yeah. So what, what's the eye look like? Yeah. Is that going to be a problem for him mentally? Is there something there? And I don't know if this guy has issues with that. Cause he seems like an absolute just stone cold killer, <laughs> but like who's a hairdresser. I say that they can also cut your hair. dude. <laughs> yeah. Just straight Renaissance man. Um, <laughs> He'll beat you up and then you know give you a fade. Um, He'll give you a fade and then give you a fade. Yeah, and then yeah. fade you. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like he has looked up and down. I think the best he has looked, even the injury aside, I think the best he has looked was the third fight against yeah. Moreno, the one that he won. And rewatching that to prepare for the the podcast. I don't disagree that I, at the time I was like, oh no, I thought Moreno won that. Going back and rewatching it, I I don't disagree with with Figueredo being the winner. I I thought Figueredo fought a really really good fight in that one, and so the best he's looked, he was at fight ready. That's when he was training with Henry Cejudo mm. in in that camp there. Moreno four, where he did look, he did good things early in the the knuckle in the eye. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. But he he didn't look as good. Yeah, and so is it a matter of camp? You know, is he one of those guys that bounces around too much? What camp is he going to be in for this fight? Yeah. You know, I, I want to know if he shows up to to weigh in and, you know, he's got Eric Alberson and all those guys and he's fight ready. Like, oh, shit. Rob Font's got a fight on his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if he's in the other camp, I, I just don't know. Well, I think there's a lot of unknowns. Well, here's the thing. I I I, I agree with what you say. I'm not I'm not pushing back on it. He's gonna Rob Font's got a lot on his hands regardless. They both have a lot on their hands regardless. But I know what you're saying. Like it is maybe it's just a mindset for him. Maybe, maybe it's age. I mean, you never know when someone mentally gets tired of the grind, right? Because I don't have to I don't even like to get up and run or like go lift weights for 20 minutes, you know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know when someone has that grind, but maybe also Maybe for Figueredo. It's a new division. I want to put my stamp on it. I am fucking motivated. And Raw Font's thinking the same thing. I'm not gonna let some guy come up, a former champion, and and because then then you got a former champion's head on your on your or a mm -hmm. scalp, you know, and that's that's a beautiful thing too. I think this is gonna be one of those like one uh, performance of the night, fight of the night type type fights. Be uh, unfortunately we have like We'll talk about Sean Brady, Kevin Gass. Awesome <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have other things, but if this one came out to be a fight of the night, I won't be shocked because both of these men are violent. Both these men are dangerous. And when Rob Font's on, he looks great. When Figueroa's on, he looks great. Hopefully, this is a great matchup of people that are my age. So, like, I'm repping. I'm repping the my, <laughs> yeah. my generation age. You know. Yeah. You know what else would be great? If you went over, you hit like, subscribe, follow on whatever podcast listening service you're listening to us right now. Also, go over to X at number one BS pod. Give us a follow. That way you get uh, the featured prelim polls as well as fight picks. And then for our pay-per-views, you'll get those live posts as well. And then feature prelim, we're not going to talk about it, but. This card is so loaded for a fight night. We have Clay Guida, Joe Team Silva fighting in the feature prelim. And Silva is a, just a tank. It was really, really fun watching his fight with Sarukyan uh, to prepare for, for that fight. We got that. You know, um, Misha Tate is on this card. She's fighting on the undercard, which, like, I know Misha Tate would have been really cool 10 years ago. Yeah. But, like, still, like, that's the 
those are the types of names we have on this card, and they're like buried on the undercard. Yeah, they they have you... like quote we'll we'll call legends of the UFC, right? Like quote, mm-hmm. Clay Guida, Michigan State. They 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 have the name value, and it's like we, yep. you're not on the main card. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But that, UFC's in a good place right now. <laughs> yeah, it's in a great place, and we'll talk it a little bit later yeah. about some other organizations. Yeah. But UFC's in a great pl- spot. Yeah. And then so that's one fight where we have a guy moving up into a new weight class, a ranked fighter moving up in another fight on the main card. We have a ranked middleweight moving down to welterweight. And that's that Sean Brady, uh, Kelvin Gaslam, Gaslam being ranked 11th at middleweight, moving down to welterweight where he's fought before he's had scale issues though. So that's going to be battle. Number one, what does he look like on Friday at the scale? So, so before we talk more about the matchups, what do you think about that? Because I think one of the things, and I think Kevin Gaslin like promoted himself well is like I like to smoke weed, I like to eat, right? It was a problem, yeah. but also it's like if if that's purely the case, was just pure discipline, then cool. But also, if it's not, then it's, why are you going back down? I don't know. You think he just feels like the middleweight div- division? He doesn't have anything left. I, I don't really know. Was this just an opportunity for him to fight somebody? Yeah, it, it's hard to say because he is coming off of a win. That's what I'm win. saying. I don't get it. Yeah, I I think. But when you look at it, up until that Chris Curtis win, his last, what was that? His last seven fights have all been at actually 9, 10, 11, 12. He had 12 fights at, at middleweight there before moving back. Yeah. But he had lost five of six. Yeah. You know, his only win was against Ian Heinish, who's now retired. He'd lost to Cannoneer, lost to Whitaker, lost to Hermanson, lost to Till, lost to Adesanya. The, the Till one's the kind of suspect one, and it was a split decision. But mm-hmm. losing to Adesanya is not bad. Losing to Whitaker is not bad. Losing to Cannoneer is not bad. Maybe maybe Hermanson. But, yeah, I, I don't know. The Chris Curtis fight, that was such a fun. And Chris Curtis, like, we got to put respect Curtis. on his name. You know, yeah. Like, Curtis. Yeah, we have to put respect on his name. It was a great fight. Yeah, and, he, and Kevin Gaslam. He Gaslin, hosts a podcast called The Man Dance. Yeah, of course. You better believe we got to give him some respect. Gaslam looked great on that fight, right? Like, he, he, Gaslam has that thing where he doesn't give up on himself. I mean, the, going back to the Adesanya fight, what a fucking fight against a Hall of Famer, right? <laughs> but him going back down, it's like, if, if it drains him, because Sean Brady, let's let's not. Sean Brady was on a crazy win streak, but then he met a guy named Bilal Muhammad. And if you're losing, remember the name, yeah. If you're losing to Bilal Muhammad, that's not a bad thing. But you couldn't get it done against that top level competition. You finally mm-hmm. fought your hardest competition, and you couldn't get it done. Good thing with this for Brady. Some guys coming down, but their their physique is almost the same. You know, height, mm-hmm. reach. <laughs> I don't know. It's just welterweight is getting so exciting. Bringing down Gaslam where he's motivated, stays on weight is a good thing. But like you said, the first fight, the first battle is against the scales. And what if we, what if, what if he can't make weight? Then it's like, what the fuck was the point? I don't know. I'm, I'm tired. I have told you this in our private conversation or off podcast conversations. I'm so tired of every week we're seeing one or two people miss weight. If you're pulling someone from this card, are you confident? If if I made you bet on it, would you be confident Gaslam makes weight? No. Right? It's, it's just I don't get it. But, but outside of that great fight, <laughs> it's a great yeah. fight. You know? Yeah. I, my hope is that, and you've heard like Cormier talk about, you've heard some of these guys that have had to lower, uh, drop down a weight class. Yep. 
and saying that it forces them. Joaquin Buckley talks about it. It forces him to make the right decisions in life and do what he's supposed to do because otherwise he's not going to be able to make the weight. Now, Gaslam has shown in the past he didn't give a fuck. That's he, the he problem. Just weight. But you have he's older. You know, you you would like to think that in his mind, because he actually talks about moving it back down before the Curtis fight. Yeah. And so that's where I'm I'm almost glad that he is moving down. Because if that was your mindset before and it's like, okay, I'm just gonna take this fight against a a ranked guy because they need me to take this fight. But my plan is still to go to 170. That gives me more hope than if he was just like, no, actually I can contend at 185 and just stayed there. Fair. And I don't know why Kelvin Gaslam would sound like that. But <laughs> That's exactly how he sounds in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Appreciate you getting my back. <laughs> but yeah, that, and I think the Chris Curtis fight showed he is still, Kelvin Gaslam is still supremely talented. He's one of the he he has it right. Yep. He can eat shots. He can deliver them. He had that spring, and Joe Rogan was talking about it during the broadcast. He was you know had the spring in his step. He didn't look like he was just going in there to collect a paycheck, which sometimes you worry about guys who their best you know the highlight of their career was losing. Yeah, right. Like the highlight of the fight everyone remembers for him was Izzy's defining moment. Yeah, oh and, yeah, that's which a is a shame point. because that was a an amazing fight, and I don't think Gaslam gets the credit for up until Poetan and then ultimately Sean Strickland. We didn't see people do that to Izzy. Yeah, we didn't see Izzy get get hit and get in, in danger, and that did happen, and and so that has me excited. For Gaslam, rewatching the Curtis fight, I was like, okay, I want to watch Gaslam fight very, very badly. So I hope that he does make weight because this is a fight that I don't want to get canceled and I don't want anything to happen in this fight for Sean Brady's sake, too. Yeah. Because Sean Brady is a guy who he's had his last two fights canceled. He was supposed to fight Michelle Pajeda, which who knows if Pajeda would have made weight. Uh, which, oh, speaking of, I can't wait to see that guy back fighting again at middleweight. Let's oh, get him a fight I schedule. Know, man. He looks I so know. good. <laughs> um, but I digress. <laughs> yeah. So he was supposed to fight that, had the groin injury, and then he was supposed to fight um, Jack Della Maddalena and then got hurt against Della Maddalena or prior to the fight against Della Maddalena. So that's, you know, here's a guy that his last fight was in was over a year ago. And prior to that, his fight was, November of 2021. He fights once a year. And for somebody who's supposed to be on the come up, this prospect, you got to see him fight more. And I think one of the things that that does is it diminishes his wins. Because when you look at the Michael Chiesa fight, right now, everyone's like, yeah, Chiesa was on a three fight lose streak. Like he's not who he used to be. How quickly quickly we forget, yeah. Yes, because when Sean Brady fought him, Kiesa was ranked sixth, and he was a guy people were talking about. I know you and I spoke about, like, here is... Kiesa's a different test for Kamaru Usman that he hasn't had to face yet, right? Like, that's when we were talking about maybe Wonderboy, maybe maybe Kiesa, you know, who's going to separate themselves and and get that shot? Neither one. But (laughs) the... Like, that's... It's unfortunate because now that that win doesn't really hold much weight. Now everybody remen- remembers him getting standing TKO'd against Bilal. Well, and, and that's the problem with fighting so infrequently is that, I mean, I, I only can remember. I can't, 
you know, my recall, most people's recalls aren't going to be everything. It's going to be recency bias. And when you're recency bias, and like I said, losing against Bilal is not a joke, but Bilal still hasn't had a chance to fight for the belt. You know, like Mm -hmm. it it doesn't matter. The next welterweight title fight doesn't have Bilal in it. It has Colby Covington, who doesn't, hasn't done anything really deserved to get that shot. Bilal's winning. To your point, Sean Brady's got to fight more. I don't. I don't want this fight to get canceled. I want to see this fight because Gaslam has that dog in him. So does Brady. Brady needs to bounce back and win. Why not against a guy that used to be in this division that you know matches up very, very well with you, and we'll show some of that dog because Bilal, Bilal didn't get hurt against Brady, and Brady kind of got hurt. And mm-hmm. you know it's, it's a gas the pressure that, got to him. The gas Gaslam can do that as well. Gaslam can yeah. do that as well, and he's got oh, a great yeah. camp. So, yeah, the, and the the thing that I'd kind of forgot about the Sean Brady Bilal fight. Brady was really competitive round one. Like really it was actually, and and even into round two, it was a very competitive fight until there was almost a a moment where the the switch flipped. You saw Brady start to wilt a little bit to the pressure, start to be instead of meeting Bilal at the point of attack kind of then started accepting Bilal dictating the range and the pace. And then when he ate that, that shot, then it was like, okay, you know, try to cover up and, and it became a a problem. But unfortunately for Brady, all anybody remembers is you got finished by Bilal Muhammad. And there's this absurd narrative that like Bilal Muhammad isn't one of the best 170 pounders in the world because he is so dumb, but there's this perception of like, Oh, he just wrestles people. Yeah. We'll talk to Gilbert Burns about that, Mm -hmm. but that's the image everybody has. They don't remember the eight minutes of really, really good fight that Sean Brady put on against Bilal Muhammad. And so it's this is a big one. You it's almost and you hate to say it for somebody as early in his career as Sean Brady. It's almost a must win it, for him. I'll, I'll agree. Real quick, talking about I'm I'm even one of the people that uh, up until I rewatched this fight, I didn't I I remember it being a little bit more one sided. But what I didn't forget was just I felt like Bilal Muhammad, Bilal had that mental edge at some point. I just thought it was quicker. I knew the first mm-hmm. round was competitive. I thought it was like right one second. So you're absolutely right. P- but people, you can't blame people if you're not fighting because that's all we re- all we remember is like, how did he lose? Didn't he get knocked out? What what happened to him? Oh yeah, he got broken down. That's what I remembered as well. Oh man, yeah. I I don't know. It, it's I don't know. If Sean Brady is a must win. But if you're not going to fight frequently, if you're going to fight in, in another year from to uh, from next week within yeah it's a must win if you can get two three fights in 2024 it's different right you lose you have two losses in a row if you lose the gasoline but then you can make it back up but if the last two fights were remember because then i'm gonna remember how kevin gasoline beats you and i'm gonna misremember that as well so you're you kind of hit it on the head with that one it's almost a must win because you're not gonna fight for another year probably yeah well and then the problem is Following on the heels of that, you're going to have Vicente Luque and Machado Gary. And Machado right? Gary's taking everybody's shine. Everybody. Yes. Yeah. And and that was like Sean Brady was supposed to be the welterweight prospect. Well, since then, he's been passed by Shafkat. Mm-hmm. Right. You have Machado Gary hot on his heels. You have Jack Della Maddalena, who Ooh. they were supposed to fight. Right. Ooh. He could have stolen Jack Della's shine. And granted, 
Della had the down performance against Twins Basil, <laughs> but then then beats Kevin Holland. Yep. You also then have Kevin Holland there. Uh, you have Magni and Kiesa, Rina Fakradinov. You have Mike Malat. Like there's all of these other young people that are coming up for him, and so that's why I think this is a must win because you lose to Bilal, which was your shot. Yep. Right. They were trying to set Bilal up there. <laughs> they, sure. they really were. And then you lose to a guy with the perception of Gastelum. Yeah. And by that, I mean somebody who never lived up to the potential. Never going to be who, a champion. Yeah. Who yeah. we don't remember as being, we remember him losing to Izzy, not giving Izzy the fight of his life. Yeah. You know, we, we don't view him as the, you know, there's the narrative in the, the Chris Curtis fight of the, the clash of heads. Oh, yeah. well, that changed the whole fight. And I think it did it to did. a degree. It did. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's what people are saying. And Chris Curtis did a great job after the fight of being like, well, wait a second. That did change the fight and kind of getting that narrative going, which I think it did change the fight. So mm-hmm. you then lose to a guy who has the public perception of Gastelum. That's why I think it's a must win for him. Perfect. And and now, like I said, this is what's good about having these conversations, right? Like speaking it out because you're right. I didn't even think I was just thinking about fighting. Right. But I mean. Machado Gary's gonna take your shot. He's gonna outspeak you, right? And if he if he wins, he's gonna outspeak you. Della Malena just has something about him. Kevin Holland, imagine Kevin Holland getting two wins now. He's gonna out talk you. Renat is just <laughs> just a killer, right? Even though his last performance was a little a little sketchy, but like all he has yeah. to do is go in there and win. You're right. I mean, I mean, you just have the welterweight division so good now. Yeah, you're right. Sean Brady has to go in there and he has to talk a little bit of shit. He has to get his name back out there to like, don't forget who I am. You know, Bilal said, don't forget who I am. <laughs> He's got to be yeah, like, don't, yeah. don't remember the name. Yeah, remember who I am as yeah. well. Yeah, it's a good point, man. It's yeah. you're right. It might be, might, might be, might, might be a yeah. must win. <laughs> because then you want to talk about Shine after that. You have we we have Shavkat fighting. Yep. Right on two ninety six. We have Machado Gary fighting on two ninety six, and then two ninety seven in Canada. We have Mike Malott fighting. Yeah. So you have three of these big time prospects that you were supposed to be above all these guys. And Mike Malott they're, they're has right now. a country behind him hard. Right. Yes. So like, that's another thing that you have to not just talk about your fighting. You have to talk about the personality, the entertainment aspect of it. So yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Oh, oh man is right. And, and, and if then... Kevin Gaslin comes and shakes it up and he beats Sean Brady and he's, and he's disciplined at 170, Okay. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Another yeah. person. Great. Then that's another, and I don't know if he'll ever contend, but that's another serious, serious test for these for these other young up and coming guys. Yep. Right, like that. If if Gastelum shows up, then that he's a problem I, for anybody in the division. I don't know if they'll give him the matchups to get into title contention, but that that's a fucking problem for people if he's if he's what he can be. So you know what if. The day after the fight, we talk about performance of the fight of the night. I think this is going to be one of the ones I can be doing. There's a chance. There's a chance. Uh, also, really, really good chance that our main event is going to have a performance of the night. You know what? Because- I think if the Darius fight and the Saryukian, I think this might be fight of the night, man. These are these are three great there's, fights, man. Dude, there's so many. And by the way, you know, not toot our own horn. We did say an awesome fight for Saryukian after his last win would be Benil Darius. Uh, so. Yeah, waiting for the for that call. Oh, the I'm, yeah, I'm waiting for the check. Yeah, just go yeah. ahead. And pay, pay 
us our money <laughs> you know just- yeah like it, you know at least like send us send us something promote us on on your shows yeah. you know what whatever probably uh-huh. like like us and subscribe i don't know something crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly something. exactly give us a follow so so uh- <laughs> can i just make one comment i Please. talk about misremembering fights i rem- misremember this darius fight Oliveira looked like a killer i forgot and and I don't want to remember somebody because of their loss, but man, Dariush, he he needs a bounce back because my my memory wasn't as harsh as reality. I, I gave him a little bit more grace in that fight. I rewatched it and I was like, holy shit, Oliveira looks like a killer. Go ahead. See, I have a totally, I have the exact opposite perception. Really? I remembered it as like Dubronx totally fucked him up. It wasn't even a competitive, like no part of it was competitive. And I thought Dariush looked better in the first round than what I remember. I thought Darius looked good up until that head kick. Yeah, the head kick. The head, the head kick just changed everything. Jesus. And that's you heard Cormier talking about it. He's like, that dude must have power because you just see guys change when they get hit by him. Happened to Justin Gaethje. Right? Like when oh, people right. get yep. when people get hit by Dubronx, it changes them. And that was the thing is I thought I actually thought Darius looked better than what I was remembering because I think there was so much. I got so hyped up for the Dubronx Dariush fight. Mm. I'd watched like every Dariush fight, yeah, uh, yeah, remember, you know, like remember, all yeah. of Dubronx's fights on the come up. And so, like, I was super amped up for that fight. And then for it to end like that, I was just like, oh my God, Dubronx Islam too, schedule it right now. But then going back and watching, it was like, oh, Dariush didn't just get sunned like I thought. It was competitive until the head kick and the head kick fucked him up. So, okay, let's talk it out then. What was, yeah. what was, the part where you're like, it's competitive. Cause I'm not saying it wasn't like, he didn't just go in there and get, I mean, it was a four minute fight. What was it like? Four minutes and 10 seconds, right? It's a four yeah. minutes. And, it's not like much happened, but almost a full <laughs> round. Um, I don't remember once being like Darius was in control. I don't remember once. Oh, not remember when I rewatched it. I didn't feel like Darius was in control. I don't think Darius had really an answer for too many things. Where, where, did you see where Dariush? Because, like I said, I I thought Dariush did better. I was like, man, like he, you know, it was it was a game changing moment. And then I'm like, okay, Oliveira kind of controlled that whole fight. Rewatching it, I thought Dariush did a little more damage on the ground than what I remembered. Okay, uh, you know, he had what like a, a minute plus of control. Yep, uh, top control, and then he, I mean, he punched a hole through the canvas a couple times when he missed, but he connected on a couple shots on the ground. And I, I had in my mind remembered it of just wherever it went, Dubronx was controlling it, mm-hmm. and I had, I just did not remember the the ground and pound and the the top control Fair. As, as it played out. And granted, says you know obviously a lot of people get on top of Dubronx just because he's so confident in his guard and you know lets people step into his office, <laughs> but the. Yeah, I, I did not remember all of the, and it wasn't a ton of strikes, but there was a couple good hard shots. I was like, oh, okay. They only hit him like, six times on the ground. Darius yeah. only hit him six out of 14. Which, <laughs> like six times can change. Every, I mean, yeah, all of there was a couple good hit him one time that changed the fight, right? Yeah. <clears throat> now, that being said, the thing about Darius is he's, he's never out. Correct. He's never out of a fight. Well, yeah, until he gets finished, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and and he he's always exciting. What he did in the fight against Gamrot, 
I mean, that was he he was stuffing Gamrot's takedowns. Mm-hmm. People don't do that. And Gamrot just chain, 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 and he could not get it to the ground. I think he was like 13 of 16 in takedown defense in that fight, which amazing, amazing against a guy like Gamrot. And plus he has that ability. He has some funky power too, where you don't expect it from him. And Darius touches people and it it changes their lives a little bit. So so to not do MMA math, I mean the mm-hmm. way Dariush handled Gamrot's uh skill set and then start I mean they both fought Gamrot, right? And you see mm-hmm. you see the difference. Yeah. The one question I want to ask I add, thought Sarukyan won the Gamrot fight. Sure, to, but to be honest. But, but he he doesn't have that for people yeah. that are looking at records. He got the L. But what I want to ask is do you think that the moment that Dariush had against Oliveira with his age. I think he's 34, Dariush. Is that one of those Tony Ferguson Gaethje moments where it's like now he's going to be different? Do you think that – I don't think he had that much head damage that it's like now he's just going to be shut off with anything. But you're 34, right? When do you – Sarukhan is what, 27? Sarukhan is kind of a decision machine. You know, um, I can't see him like stopping Darius. Uh, if he stops Darius, then we have to have a different conversation. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The that's what makes it so exciting that we're going to find out. Yeah. Because, and it might not just be a big shot because that's not how Sarukian fights. Kind yeah. of the big shot Sarukian gets are with the the lead leg, which he's not going to have with the left leg because he's orthodox. He's not going to have against Darius because Darius is southpaw. But the we'll find out because it's it's hard to tell. He didn't take a by he, I mean Dariush did not take a sustained Correct. beating, right? And we've seen him get knocked out before, and there there wasn't this like awful beating that he that he took and then got finished. It was head kick, beginning of the end, it's done. Okay. So now Sarukyan is the kind of guy if he gets you to the ground. You're going to take a sustained beating. Yep. What he did, if you guys want to see beautiful violence, go watch the the Alvarez fight, the Joel Alvarez fight with Armand Sarukian, where he catches the knee, dumps him, and just paints the canvas. <laughs> Some of the just one of the bloodiest fights I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've watched a lot of them, and that one was brutal. And by the way, the catching the knee in the clinch. He's like perfected that. He did it against Joe Chim Silva too. And when he did it to Silva, he slammed him on his head. And that was the beginning of the end for Silva. And once again, violent, violent ground and pound. Sarukian's one of those guys that will control the position. And but the second you start to try to get up, you are you're in trouble. Or once he's fully controlled you, you're in trouble. He he's not there to just hold you down. <laughs> Player, hold me down. He's not there for that, right? He he He's is there to hurt to, you. to hurt you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And now we don't see people out grapple Darius. I know, right? But, but okay. So here's the thing. Let's play a new game. Let's make up a new game right now. Respect or disrespect? Want to play a game? <laughs> uh, creepy. Uh, so creepy. <laughs> respect or disrespect? Sarukian is a minus two sixty five. On average, about minus two eighty, we'll say on average to a average plus two twenty. Either either Vegas odds makers know something that we don't, right? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if I agree or disagree. 
But weird, I wasn't expecting that line. I'm just looking at the line right now. Respect or disrespect? For Dariush. I think it, yeah, I think it's disrespectful. I think so, too. Now, dude. we might be talking next week yeah. about the amazing performance Sarukian put on. But it has to happen, right? Yes. I have to and see it's, it. For, so this, is, this is by far, in a way, Sarukian's hardest test. This is not even close to... Oh, like Yes and no. Because when you look at who Sarukian's fought, he made his UFC de- debut against Islam. I'm sorry. I have that as a note here. He's fine. Yeah. Outside of his two losses against Gamron and Islam. Islam's as hard as yeah. But I think Dariush is a harder matchup than Gamron. Or a harder test than Gamron. And, and also, it's very different, right? That was Islam was in a different point in his career. Correct. Obviously, still a great fighter. He's a different part of his career. Sarukian coming in on... Short notice UFC debut, yeah. right? Like that wild, you know, poor, poor kid. <laughs> I know. But that as far as you are main eventing, Dariush is dangerous. Yeah. He's unpredictable. He's coming off of having his chance to be right there for a title after putting together an insane run. Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to be the most dangerous version of Dariush that we see. Yeah. And Sarukyan has to step into that. And so that's why I think it's disrespectful. Because I think Dariush is still one of the most dangerous guys at lightweight. I think he is a more dangerous test or a more difficult test from the standpoint of what he brings and how that matches up with Sarukyan's skill set then Gaethje, then Poirier, then some of these old guard guys because the grappling. Right? No one thinks Sarukian's path to victory here is to win it standing on the feet. Correct. That's just not his game. So if he's going to go in there and out-grapple Dariush, that would be impressive. Whereas you out-grapple, and no disrespect to Poirier, because Poirier is one of the most well-rounded fighters in the division. But you out-grapple Poirier, you out Poirier, you outgrapple uh, Gaethje. That's very different than outgrappling Benil Dariush. I agree. I agree. And so yeah, that, that's, that's why I point. think it's disrespectful. Yeah, I, I feel like it's disrespectful as well. But like I said, there just might be, you know, at some point, if you fight long enough, there's going to be a decline. I hope Dariush isn't declining at 34, mm-hmm. but you never know. You know, I, I, I also hoped the same for Ferguson, and we've seen a drastic decline. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, one of the interesting things about Sarukian, he has shown, if this guy becomes a champion, I don't think people will be surprised if you've watched his fights. Because even in that Silva fight, there was this sense of like, oh, it was disappointing because he's fighting some unranked guy and he's supposed to be the next big thing. Well, he he was supposed to fight Moicano and it got canceled. And so he just wanted to fight. So he accepted a fight a couple months down the road. But when he got cracked by a guy who puts people to sleep and got stanky leg, he immediately went to his bread and butter, got the fight to the ground, and put himself in a position to recover. Recover. Listen, when you have that strong wrestling base, you're in danger, but you're never in danger, right? Like, you're in danger Mm -hmm. of, like, the flash KO or someone someone being able to... Yeah, this is... It's a great main event, right? And it's perfect for five rounds because 
I think this I think this gives respect to Darius from the UFC of like we're still going to put you in five round fights because you might you you don't know when you might be the contender. Mm-hmm. And for Sarukian, it's like why not? Why not? If you're going to be if you're going to be the up and comer, we got to test you at five rounds. And imagine this going five rounds and both mm-hmm. of them proving they can do it, which I'm almost confident. Dar I don't have any doubt Darius can fight five hard rounds. Yeah, but Sarukian goes there and beats him in five rounds. I mean, yeah, this is what a what a great main card for this event. And yes, and the stakes are so high for Sarukian because if he gets this win, especially if he does it in an entertaining fashion, he could even though Gamrot beat him, he could leapfrog Gamrot. Oh, absolutely, and really be the first of this next line of guys coming up. To insert himself into the title talks. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's huge. Right. Because if not, guess who's hot on his heels? Ben Wasson Denis coming in hot. He will be the the next, you know, one from that generation to come because that guy is terrifying. Absolutely. So ooh, this this one has me excited. As yeah. as I was watching getting prepped for this one, I was super excited. And more so, I just want to know how the grappling plays out. I know. Like that's, that's what's so interesting to me is how because Dariush does not get controlled in grappling exchanges. And, How and, does that play and, out? And last event, we were like, we would love to see some grappling, and we got to see. Well, I got to see my fair share of grappling, but let's let's keep the trend going. I would love to see it on this fight as well. Yeah, we know he's. We know Sarukian's going to shoot. We know he's going to shoot. Yeah. So I want to see him. Yeah, absolutely. And we also have a few uh, fight announcements. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's right. We're adding AZ because our boy body bags. Mm-hmm. <laughs> getting his first opportunity to main event a card fight night February 10th against Jack Hermanson. This is interesting mm-hmm. because Pfeiffer unranked getting a shot at number 10. And so Pfeiffer is the first of that group of guys. The bubble. Roy. Yeah. Roy Jabov, Kapilov, Nickel, Bo Nickel, you know, Kyle Bahalgo. He's the first of all of these middleweights to get a crack at a ranked opponent and not just a ranked opponent. Top 10. Top 10, man. And stylistically, the one that is the most favorable matchup for Joe Pfeiffer. Hermanson does a great job of distance management. And we saw he he frustrated Sean Strickland. He frustrated Chris Curtis. But Pfeiffer... Phenomenal grappling. Phenomenal. I mean, really, really good MMA grappler. And it's not like Hermanson can can eat Joe Pfeiffer's punches. It's very different getting punched by Sean Strickland than it is Joe Pfeiffer, just and, from a power standpoint. And honestly, like we we didn't know really who and we've talked about it. We didn't know who from that, you know, 185 outside of 15 bubbles gonna get it. I'm not mad at this at all. Pfeiffer seems like he's not only ready, but like there's a party where it's like I can see him going in there and taking that spot, right? There's there's yes. no it's, I, he feels ready. He just feels mm-hmm. like it feels good to be like you know what I think this guy's ready, and now we get to see it. And if he's not, then it doesn't it doesn't hurt the middleweight division at all. It just doesn't. In the week before, is being headlined by Roman Delizze Nasardini Imovov. Mm. So you have seven verse twelve headlining. Uh, a fight night and then the next week unranked versus 10 so if delete Imovov goes to decision yeah. isn't some kind of war or somebody doesn't put their stamp on it and then Pfeiffer comes in and 
and knocks out Hermanson and hops on the mic. He's likable, does what he's supposed to do. I mean, that's it. This is a showcase, right? This, yeah. this is a huge opportunity. I am very, very excited. That two-week stretch in the middleweight division is gonna gonna start to clear some things up it's, a little bit on who's who the next next one up is gonna be. Cause all three of those guys, Delidze, Imavov, Pfeiffer, those are all guys that have not been in the upper echelon yet. Haven't been those top five guys. Delidze had a chance against Vittori, yep. right? But but it's Vittori. That, Vittori yeah, Vittori. Vittori can't get knocked out. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, mm, and, and, exciting. And, and Pfeiffer is about to be in the position that we say for all of these people. Once you make this win, if you get this win, that's it for you. Like now, now everything is hard. Everything from now on is like you're there. We're we're good. If you're gonna break into the top, if you're gonna beat our number ten guy, you're going to be the person that's like, all right, now. You're 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 facing the top of the top. It's it's middleweight, man. Middleweight. Yeah. Cause hey, guess what, Pfeiffer? You win this fight. The people currently above you, and that could change if Imavov sure. beats Delidze. Or that would be above Hermanson. Chemayev, Brandon Allen, Delidze, Costa, who tweeted something about January 20th, so he might have a fight. Nice. Uh, Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier, Bobby Knuckles. Hates doorbell, still knocks DDP. <laughs> Izzy Strickland. Yeah, it's it's. There's no there's no favorable matchups for you after this, man. I have to this year. Yeah, fighting. Hope you're players. ready. Yeah, hope you're ready because yeah. if because it could be a little bit of a fool's gold too, though, right? Like you knock out Hermanson. Does that really mean you're ready for those names that sure. that I just listed? Good point. Good point. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> it is gonna be fun. And then apparently, if you're unranked. They give you a shot at number 10 because <laughs> announced at UFC 299, which is headlined by O'Malley versus Vera. We do have another Bantamweight unranked Kyler Phillips, who trains out of the same camp as O'Malley MMA lab, uh, taking on number 10 ranked Pedro Munoz. This is this is this is a fun fight because Munoz is at that part where it's like you don't really know what he's going to be. You don't know. You just don't know. He's he's a weird one. But Kyler Phillips is super fucking exciting. I mean, isn't his nickname like the Matrix or something? The there's, Matrix. There's yeah. a reason for that. Yeah, it's super exciting. And I'm just happy that he's fighting again relatively quickly because he had had a, a long layoff before his last fight. So like he was out of the UFC for a little bit, didn't take any fights, and then like all of a sudden was back. It was a really weird situation. Um, so yeah, that and that's when people forget Kyler Phillips was ranked. Yeah. I mean, he was in the top 15 at Bantamweight. Yeah. So, I mean, really, really a fun matchup. Going to tell us a lot about Kyler Phillips. Plus, you have that, you know, training partners with O'Malley. O'Malley didn't beat Pedro Munoz. They fought. He didn't beat him. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it was it was stopped. Not not uh, if you ask Sean O'Malley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Undefeated, never lost. Yeah. But but like that's you know that that's a little interesting storyline there too. This is. Yeah, it's just every week we're getting some some really, really good announcements and possibly the biggest announcement in MMA in a long time, you know, not just UFC. And I know that's all we talk here is UFC, but outside of that, you know, one of the biggest announcements, arguably in MMA history, you have three and four organizations. Yeah, I would say maybe, you know, because one championship is in there as well. We'll say but- three and four organizations of consequence how about that like where yeah yeah yeah, you have 
two of the top four organizations right here because PFL did buy Bellator. Mm-hmm. And that's with all that money, beautiful oil money they're getting from Saudi Arabia. Um, but really, I mean, this is this is huge because now you have, and I get it, they're pumping up their brand. And, you know, the guy said, we have just as many of the top ranked fighters in the world, you know, yada, yada, as, as the UFC. But you are combining a lot of talent yep. now. You know, PFL, especially if they're going to pay people that they've had some of the bigger free agent signings recently, right? Sure. And Ganu, Shane Burgos was a big signing. That's somebody who the UFC did not want to lose. You know, you had Aspen Ladd go over there. Derek Brunson. Yeah, Derek Brunson. You had uh, Olivier Aubin Mercier. There you go. Uh, I was going to um, just let you say that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anthony Pettis, which at the time, yeah. You know, before he lost the fights in the PFL, PFL, at the time, that was a big signing. Yeah. You know, Rory McDonald left Bellator to go to the PFL. They've been able to use that money. Now, all of those obviously have not panned out, but have used that money to attract talent. And now they're going to be able to do that by adding the already the talent they already have from Bellator, which is, I mean, let's not kid. There are some very, very talented fighters in Bellator. You know, there's a couple guys that I think could potentially challenge in the UFC for titles with Patchy Mix, um, Johnny Eblen. You know, there are some guys over there that are top flight fighters. And now you're getting that combined. I'm I'm excited. So so I, w- I do want to make a comment because yeah, they are getting um they're getting signed, but they're getting signed people that are their career as potential champions with the exception of Francis and Ganu is kind of like, like Derek Brunson wasn't going to be a champion. Mm-hmm. Um, Shane Burgos. We don't know. I mean, he's the yeah. youngest of them. You just never know. The implications of this is a great thing because w- the one thing that you want to do is have options. But as we spoke about, and I've had time to think about it because you, you brought some great arguments, you know, PFL didn't even have Bantamweight, I believe. I don't even think they mm-hmm. had a Bantamweight division. They don't have Bantam or Middleweight, yeah, which so, are the two, two of the biggest champions. Well, in, well, well Bantamweight yeah. is probably... Just the, we've talked about this, probably where a lot of these, the more talented fighters, are gonna, it just seems like Bantamweight is where you get all that talent in the, into one, right? PFL doing this does a couple of good things. One, it does give people options. I still, I still believe that, you know, <laughs> I'm going to make a weird comparison, but like in chess, right? Now, now that 2020 happened with... That you see a lot of these chess people, they're like, we never made money, but we make money off of streaming now. But there's 13 year old kids that are trying to like international masters right now, trying to be grandmasters. They're not saying, oh, I want to be like so and so that's making money. No, they still want to be the top level. And the way they do that is they got to grind and they're not going to make a penny. So I still think most people are going to want glory over money. I think that it's easy for us as our age, you know, we're in our, you know, whatever. <laughs> we're, we're at that age where money, like we know the consequences Prime. of it. In our prime, <laughs> I'm definitely I'm I'm not even reaching my prime yet. You know, <laughs> still waiting. I'm probably at that about 45, going bald. Not a big deal, but <laughs> we have different because we look at money and it's important to us because we have families, we have establishment, all that stuff. But 21 year old DJ and Jared might be having different conversations. We want that glory. We have that young man energy. But the good thing about the PFL doing this is that it does expand the roster because some of the PFL competition was just like who gives a shit and i hate to say that Mm -hmm. about people but who gives a shit right they won't sell me on the top 15 thing because it's not true but 
I saw a comment, and I'm like, that's where PFL can do it. Once you take out the top 15, now we're kind of equal. Now our now our talent pool is kind of equal, right? You made a really good point. I'd like you to speak on it just a little bit so I'm not mis, uh, misspeaking with you. But these people outside of the United States, UFC is a United States company. It just is. It's a United States company. So, of course, you're not going to hear too many people grow up in the United States wanting to do MMA and then go to the PFL. You're just not going to hear it, right? But to your point, look at all these other things where it's like, well, I'm growing up in some country that we've never even heard of and that's my only option i'm going to be loyal to the brand I, w- I would like for you to speak on that because that's one of the points that we were talking about the other day that i was like i get where you're coming from on that yeah i'm i'm really excited about the global implications of this it's because the it's the implications <laughs> who's in danger uh, but i i really think that this is good for global mma because pfl already announced that they're going to have like their different leagues in the on the different continents and then they're going to have like a world championship where the African champion fights the Asian champion and then the European champion, all this, which I think is a really cool idea. It's almost like a world cup of, of MMA without some of the best fighters in the world. Cause they'll be in the UFC. But I think now you are going to have that kid that's coming up in Ireland, right? That kid that's coming up in England, Italy, these other countries where the UFC isn't as big for them as, as it as it is for the kid growing up in the states, and so they might see these you know, PFL guys making millions of dollars, and that becomes what they're striving for. And so I think they really have the ability to make a very big footprint outside of the United States. It's going to be on ESPN, and I think it's almost like soccer in in Europe, where you have the like a kid growing up in France. He might want to go play in the the Premier League or La Liga or Bundesliga. Like that might be his goal. But he also might want to play in the, I don't know, the league in France, but might want to play in the, you know, the top la excuse me, line in France. And so now these guys will have those opportunities where they're fighting in front of the hometown crowds. How many times do we see things with visa issues of guys, you know, UFC fighters and they're having to fight in the States and they just can't? Shara Bullet, as exciting as he is. He's got one eye. They're not going to allow that man to fight in the United States. Yeah. So I'm I'm really interested to see. I think this is huge for the sport. Not right now. And, and 10, 15, 20 years from now. And that's and that's where I think that people aren't put into consideration is the win, right? So I, I'm I'm gonna push back a little bit. Like you just mentioned Ireland and England. I think those are bad examples just because the biggest UFC fighters from Ireland right now, right? Yeah. And and Islam and, and how I look at it is if I'm training in Dagestan right now and Islam's my coach, which is crazy to think that this man's out here yeah. coaching, right? Khabib and Islam, it doesn't matter what regional so I want to be in their division. I just do. It's like if your dad was playing for the Dallas Cowboys and you want to be in the NFL. There might be a part of you that if you have a good relationship with dad, like I want to be a quarterback for the Cowboys as well. But 15, 20 years down the road is where it makes a difference because I think PFL's biggest, biggest blunder is their product just looks bad. I think that if you marry the decisions that they're making, I don't really care for the seasons format. We can talk about that some other time, but I don't really care for it. I think that it can be sharpened up. But now that you have depth and you're letting Bellator still be Bellator, you got to get your product because the one thing UFC does better than anyone, boxing included, 
their product is beautiful. Even on these Apex Fight Night cards where it's silence, it's a beautiful mm -hmm. product. It's just good. PFL has to step their game up on that. But if me and you decided to do an MMA organization and we're just going to be like the UFC, no one's going to watch us. We have to do mm -hmm. something different. They're doing something different. Good for them. They need to talk that shit. They're not on the UFC level to say that the UFC scared Dana White scared. No, they're not. But 15, 20 years now? Now, now you start getting instead of Francis Ngannou being what, 38, 37, making a decision, him being 29. Now mm -hmm. that makes a difference. And I think one of the big ones was like when Rory McDonald did it, it was big. Shane Burgos just doesn't have quite the resume for it to be yeah. like, oh man, we lost Shane Burgos, but you didn't want to lose him. And to your point, you said they didn't want to lose him. They didn't. They lost him, but he wasn't a champion. Yeah. But I, I also think there's guys, I mean, Doombay. UFC tried to sign him. Yep. They could not. Yep. Yeah, and he's in the PFL now. Lazy King, another guy that they tried to sign. PFL. And so I think as we go along, you're going to see more of that and the combination of the two, the talent, right? Because I... I'm interested to see because they said they're going to keep the Bellator brand at least through 2024. Yeah. But I'm interested to see what the fluidity is. They did talk about doing a champions versus champions card, which that'll be kind of cool. You know, I, I think it's it, what everybody wants to see. Can the UFC fighters beat the Bellator? We all want to see mm -hmm. it. So just do it. You need to do it. Yeah. You need yeah. to do it. So that'll be interesting. But the, you know, are we going to have guys go back and forth where, all of a sudden, you're seeing Usman Nurmagomedov fighting under the PFL banner for, for a PFL pay-per-view card. And that's one of the other things I talked about, because you mentioned the season format. And I get it. Season format's a little funky. Yeah, it's a little it's funky. Not what we're, it's not, just not what we're used to yeah. seeing. If that's how MMA started, it would make perfect sense. But that's not what we're used to seeing. Correct. And so they, they're talking about having these different identities where they're going to have the season. That's something they're going to do but they're also going to have their super fight division. They're going to have their pay-per-view cards. And so I'm, you know, like somebody like Jake Paul, which I know has never fought, but he is going to be a pay-per-view draw for a certain demographic. Correct. And so now you're going to start having Francis Ngannou is not going to be in the heavyweight season. He is going to be on pay-per-views. And so I'm interested to see how they do that. Is Bellator going to be a feeder to the PFL? Is it going to be the season format. Is that going to change where instead of a million dollars, now you get onto the pay-per-view cards? Like, what is that going to look like moving forward? Is it a million dollars and now you're in the super fight division and you get to be on pay-per-view cards? Like, is it a leveling up like they do in soccer or football mm -hmm. with, you know, you're relegated to the season or, you know, you've earned your way into the super fight division? Like, I want to know what that looks like. And just the fact that it's something new. Yeah. It's not the same thing that we've seen for a while. Like, that's interesting. And I think you you hit the nail on the head. If they're going to go out and just try to put on 50 cards a year with, you know, 12 pay-per-views and the rest free on TV, they are going to lose that fight. That is what the UFC does. They do it better than anybody. Their production is good. The UFC has made it the thing to do where you don't have introductions. You just have people walk out. Yeah. 
Right. And that used to be something where people are like, oh, this is lame. Like, why don't they have the, you know, big introductions anymore? But now when you see Bellator do it, you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. It almost like, feels totally changed. It. it almost feels corny. And it, it's very mm-hmm. weird because, you know, the UFC and WWE got bought on the same thing. But it was almost like that's more WWE shit. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we're not talking about the fights anymore. We're talking about the production. I just think. I think that well, we'll be guys. Trust me, we'll be talking about this more and more uh, mm-hmm. later on down the road because we do try to keep UFC. But this is this is this could be impactful. I think that they just it's a it's a good thing for now. For man, you said fifteen twenty years. It feels so long, but I think that's when we could potentially see it because someone I was reading something on this and someone was like, yeah, but the, unfortunately, some PFL matches feel like sparring matches. And I was like, yep, and that's the mm-hmm. thing is that we're excited about. We didn't talk about a lot of fights on this upcoming card, but we both know. We both know we're going to be surprised at something. Right? We know it. We know we're going to watch this card and be like, I don't know the last time I was bored for a full UFC card. I can't, I can't remember. Something's going to happen on these other ones because of the production. I didn't even think about the damn walkouts. What a good point. Like The UFC has just set that standard. Like That's how good we are. Yeah, it's... Uh, the implication, the implications are are big for it, but just right now, this is news. The impact's going to happen later. Yeah, and it's taking what we like about fights and kind of putting it to the business side. Yep. But like we love watching fights because you don't know what's going to happen. Correct. And talk about it on the F update all the time. Like, don't know, but we're going to find out. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's really cool about this. We have no idea. You know, they've teased a little bit of what it's going to look like, but ultimately, we don't really know what this is going to be. But I'm very excited to find out and see how all this plays out. Yep, absolutely. Anything else on your end, brother? No, sir. All right. As always, appreciate y'all for listening. Love and respect. Later.